concern themselves with the very primary needs of society, really. The most important entrepreneurs among us, I believe. <laughs> but of course, I'm biased. We want to understand how they view the world, what they do, and how they go about doing it. But of course, more importantly, we want to understand how we can be of service to them. Because we back entrepreneurs. I'm an agri-food ecosystem developer, founder of Foodmakers Africa, and impact maker at Future Agro Challenge in South Africa. I'm really excited to speak with another awesome agripreneur this week. His name is Watson Matsa, whom together with Dr. Tulasizwe Damini founded Isus Farm, which is an agri-fintech solution that collects real-time food production data for smallholder and subsistence producers. This is mainly for the purposes of helping farmers access both markets and financial products. The real game changer here is the simple way in which they collect the information from farmers using USSD strings and creating visibility right at the ground level to make it possible for the ecosystem to engage with smallholder and subsistence farmers in a more consistent and transparent way. So let me just let Watson tell us all about it then. Hi, Watson. Welcome to We Back Agripreneurs. Um, I really appreciate you uh, speaking with us today. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much, Flo, for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm having a better day. It's a bit sunny outside, but still a bit cold. <laughs> it is quite. Uh, we've kind of uh, closed ourselves in the house today. It is freezing out there, at least where we are. <laughs> So, Watson, I read the other day, actually, that you guys already won an award. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yes. So, um, I'm the founder, co-founder of and CEO of Isis Farm Africa. And Isis Farm Africa basically is a platform that tracks the monitors mode of farmers uh, in Africa. And we sort of applied to the World Bank um, Sustainable um, Agricultural um, Challenge, Innovation Challenge. And uh, we actually were part of the top innovators that were awarded um, the best innovators in SADAC. Um, that was like two months ago, but it was like it took a lot of time, but we won that. And that was very much a good um, exposure for us, also trying to see if we could really solve real problems and also give us um, validation for our tech and, and us as founders. So that was very much exciting for us. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So maybe we can take a few steps back then so you can tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and how you started on this whole agripreneurship journey. Okay. Um, the whole agri-tech journey started with me and my mate, uh, my business partner also, and uh, also my mentor as well. Uh, his name is Doratula Suze Lamini, and we actually went together at uh, Rose University in Grahamstown. So yeah, I did my undergraduate um, degree um, and we met while, while we were studying uh, Mandarin in a Mandarin class. Uh, we wanted to oh, learn a different wow, language. Mandarin? <laughs> yeah, we wanted to learn a different language and we were the only uh, two people that were there that were, I think, yeah, only two boys that were there that were like black boys. So 
So we got along. And uh, since then, basically, we built a very strong relationship. Um, but of course, like, he was working on his um, thesis for agricultural economics. I was at the time still doing my double major in accounting, accounting and economics. But I started my first tech company actually then as well. But that was more to do with music and trying to basically put music online. So that's where my sort of journey started with tech. But he was now working also on uh, the science part of it, of the agricultural uh, world. And then uh, we soon then went uh, to work and I started working for FNB. And then he went to work for the ARC. So at ARC, he understood now the whole um, science and, and policy around agricultural tech. And I was understanding more about uh, financial inclusion from a, from a financial perspective while working for the bank as well. So we eventually sort of brought these two mindsets together and we created this agri-fintech company that can actually um, uh, both on, only monitor the farmer but also uh, be able to include him in terms of the financial inclusion. Right. Okay, great. So maybe we can jump straight into ESUS Farm then. Maybe you can tell us what it is, how does it work, and how would farmers engage with it from start to end, essentially? And how does it bridge the gap of financial inclusion, particularly for small-scale farmers? Okay. Um, so the tech uh, is quite uh, easy to use. Um, what we have done is that we have taken um, the USSD uh, strings and we have basically put in an, an ongoing survey, basically, in this uh, particular um, uh, system. So as you... As you log on, you'd say uh, star 120, star 867, star 03 hash for the South African line. For the Swaziland line, it's star 700 hash. Uh, but as you log in, you do the first uh, step of actually registering, uh, whereby we ask you uh, basically who you are, your ID number, and all those things. But also the good thing is that this kind of information can be then used by national databases as a census for them. Uh, but also what we also do is we also, because the rural areas are in different homelands, uh, we also ask you for your address and your address can be in two different ways. You can have an address that is for the urban area, but also an address for traditional land where we ask you what's the nearest mountain, what's the nearest river, who's your chief in the in the area, because we still feel as a bluff. Um, we don't have that data to understand where most people live because it's not um, in addresses in Africa. But we do know how to mm -hmm. describe certain places like like rivers and, and chiefs that can be easier to actually locate uh, the different farmer. Um, it, this is all by registration. Uh, so that's going to be very much good value to understand actually um, how many um, chiefs do run these informal settlements. So it's very, very important that we do that. And then the other thing we do also on registration, we also allow the farmer to um, do an inventory management sort of um, uh, um, a tracking below it, but we'll ask you what inventories do you have as a farmer. Now, this is also very much important information. It's good baseline data to understand exactly what kind of equipment do smallholder farmers have, and we're able to then sort of, you know, um, provide information to the different organizations to say, listen, they actually like this, 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 so, so it helps them directly support them. So I think after that, you would have been fully registered as a farmer. So even on registration, we kept a lot, a lot of data on the farmer, um, and uh, what we've also done in other countries is that we've also translated uh, the system into their own language, which helps a lot um, because that's the basically how we how we train the farmer as well, showing that this system is very easy to use. And uh, usually, 
uh, the system of the USSD code is free to use for the farmer because we believe the farmer is already in, in need for inclusion. And by allowing them free access to the system, it also provides them with a wealth of services. Then after that, we then offer you um, the services that we offer and the tracking that we do. Uh, we then track what you call it um, crops. Uh, currently, we're tracking crops. Uh, we're doing um, horticulture tracking. And here, basically, we ask you questions like a survey, but it's an ongoing survey across your whole production cycle. So if you're in pre-cultivation, uh, there's certain questions that we'll ask you. They'll ask you, did you do a, a soil sample? Do you, they'll ask you, have you collected your soil results? At the same time, we also go to the soil labs and we also give them a platform or a dashboard where they, they can import the information for the farmer inside there instead of it actually traveling by post. And this allows us now to then SMS the farmer directly um, with his results and, and recommendations as well. Um, so that will be the whole process there. But after that, of course, you need to have tractors as well. Uh, we allow the farmer to order tractors on the, on the system. Um, uh, like the way you would like, order an Uber, we allow people to actually order tractors uh, using the USSD code. And we think it's a lot of value because um, e-mobility has, has never actually entered into the informal settlements. But we, by now, where you actually allow someone to actually order a tractor not even using internet is revolutionary to the rural uh, segment as well. Um, and then we go forward, we then track your crop growth. We exactly know when you're going to harvest and what you're going to harvest, and basically your germination rates, your 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 budding rates, your flowering luck rates. So we understand your economic data. And that is very, very important because, of course, the banks want to understand their risks. So what we've done is that because we've got um, a big understanding of how banks work from a data perspective, we know that they need an ongoing risk management tool to be able to lend out money to farmers. And that has not been there for a while now, and we've actually made an, on, an, an over ongoing risk management tool that allows banks basically to see where the farmer is failing across his production cycle. But at the same time, this isn't, the same data can be used by by um, by insurance companies to create um, area yield insurance because they need the area and the yield of the plant and also to ensure that when they do claims, they've got enough uh, data to say, was well, the farmer actually following the right process? Um, so just by entering this production data or ag agronomic uh, data, you are able, you are able to actually um, understand the risks of the farmer, but also provide the information to different stakeholders so everyone has got one view of the farmer, or what we like to call the farmer-centric view of the farmer, which is, uh, I think, um, important in, the, in, in today's world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these, uh, these interview type, or rather survey type questions are delivered to the farmer in sort of a single question at a time? Is, is that how it works? Yes, yes, exactly that's how it works. Yes, yes, yes. So okay. it's, 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 it's all... Um, rigid as well it's a yes or no answer and then from then on we then infer from that data so like the whole thing right. was so song you know once we know we've done it or not done it we're able to tell you that you may not actually get the right uh, yield you want because you've not done it as well but at the same time we can notify the farmer to say hey do the soil sample or we can notify someone else like a government institution to say this farmers need help in this area because right now uh, what we realize is that um the extension model in Africa is still outdated. What we have is that um, you get the decision officer who's actually capturing the data. Now that's a problem because then he's got no time to actually extend the knowledge, right? So mm -hmm. what you need is actually the farmer to input his own data, give the extension officer 
a dashboard where you can actually see what is going on. So when he goes onto the farm, he doesn't waste time now doing low value work of data capturing. He can actually work on high value work of um, analysis and and bringing the whole system actually together. So I think that's basically what we do in terms of changing and and revolutionizing um, the um, the way um, extension um, offices actually deliver extension work. Right, right. So in terms of the inputs that the farmers can order, and I am correct to say that farmers can order inputs on the platform, hey? Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. so our... So in terms of... Our, the, oh, sorry. Yes. No, you can continue. Uh, I was going to say, in terms of the inputs that they order, in particular the mechanization, you did say earlier that farmers are able to order or rather book uh, tractors on the platform when they need it. Do you have particular partnerships that you work with in that area or how do you facilitate those types of transactions? So what we do is, uh, what we do is we facilitate um, that between the different farmers. So in the beginning, as um, I mentioned, that we, we do an inventory count of every farmer that has a tractor. So we ensure that right. if you find your tractor that's sitting. So now you can actually share the tractor with the nearest uh, farmers in the area, number one, because uh, like usually, what happens is that you the farmers call each other via phone, and that sometimes becomes like chaotic because then it, it's it's not fair. But actually, having this whole booking system, you you actually allow idle assets to actually be used across uh, the different um, farming as, as settlements. So that's one way to do it. Secondly, also there's of course uh, the John Deere's of of the world that have got tractor um, tractors in the area that are that they need to uh, 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 lease out. And we then partner with them or plug them in as suppliers to actually provide that service to the farmers that's closest to them. Mm, right. Okay. That's very interesting. I did note the other day there's a, there's a similar platform here where farmers are able to um, lend or hire each other tractors and often lease from um, from secondhand stock. I just uh, I just find that that model very very interesting i must say um, quite holistic, I think, with our approach and i think that okay. makes us very very different um because it's it's an end-to-end -end, uh, solution not only looking from the tractor purposes but also looking from the agronomic point of view because precision agriculture has not been there for smallholder farmers and I think that's the, the the true value of um, our solution mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and for particularly insurance have you had any victories on that side, I mean, uh, insurance is just so difficult to secure for small-scale farmers, really, and it is essentially the key to unlocking finance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So currently, we because banks and insurance companies are our last sort of partners to partner with, um, we we have approached um, an insurer, um, a smaller insurer like a microfinance insurer, and um, <laughs> they are also trying to learn about the game more. So we are. Our whole strategy around that right now is to target smaller, smaller insurance companies because we feel as if like um, they, they, their models actually are are ripe to gain a new audience. So, so we are still working on that, not uh, yet in the in implementation stage, but definitely it's something that we can help because once we have the banks on board, um, I think we we also partnered with Grow Bank, um, and it it makes it easier for for Grow Bank to also fund the farmer if he's got insurance from the onset. So we, we, mm. we actually help them actually get them that all set up together so that uh, you get the insurance and you get your inputs and, and you get your finance all at once. Um, and that way, basically, mm -hmm. you provide a bundled service for the farmer. Not only do you manage your risks, but also you manage um, 
the growth of the plant and you track how much is coming out next. So you also then partner up with um, um, your buyers, your big buyers who buy things in bulk because what we do basically is that we make a virtual farm whereby, you know, if a buyer wants 10,000 tons and the farmers are only making 1,000 tons each, we're able to actually virtually uh, co-op all that produce for that particular buyer. But I think what makes also our system quite 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 unique is that um, you've got this thing called ESAS points and ESAS points basically it's like a behavioral um, uh, scoring um, a model whereby for every uh, thing or activity you do on the farm we give you a point because of course we've got the, on, the ongoing survey right so because now you're getting all these points we're able to also classify the farmer in terms of his aptitude levels because the more things he has done it means that the more higher that what college is farming and that helps because because now a differentiate between good farmers and bad farmers um and also then of course when when you need to now supply produce to a large um institution like your tiger brands or pioneer foods so by even just giving that digital track record of are you following the right procedures helps the farmer to be able to open other other markets and, and also export these produce from SA into uh, other startup regions. Mm-hmm. You did mention that right now your commodity focus is horticulture. Is there a particular crop that lends itself well to using your platform or have farmers taken it up well across the board? So it was quite interesting that uh, when we were doing our field uh, trips and our field visits and our first sort of onboarding, what we realized is that the farmers actually knew that this system is what they needed. So we really had a very positive um, um, sort of um, uh, pilot or positive feedback from the farmers. So not particularly any crop, but any they understand the value because the value was communicated and uh, they, they generally um, can use the platform. Uh, the, it's it's not complicated to use. It's 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 literally a, a yes or no answer or a choose one up to five you know uh, options. Um, and so the farmer actually finds it uh, very easy to use. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at what stage are you now? Are farmers able to um, access and use the platform immediately, or, or how is the rollout going? So we are actually in South Africa and Swaziland. Um, in Swaziland, actually, we we partnered up with the development uh, farming development agency there, and they've got about fifteen thousand farmers, which they want us to digitalize basically to bring them online, and that's what we are currently doing. Um, so that system actually works, and and it's free to use for the farmer. In South Africa, also our system also is online, uh, but we are yet to start onboarding farmers yet. Uh, we are in the process of actually finalizing our project pilot in in the country so that we can actually start going to different farmers and uh, well improve different um, uh, support programs that actually exist because our whole strategy is that um, there are a lot of support programs already. It's all about uh, going to the support programs and helping those support programs even become more efficient and become more um, impactful for the small water farmer. Right, right. And uh, why South Africa and Swaziland in particular? Is, is that just uh, where you guys are located? So, you know, when you're doing a, 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 a scientific project, you need an area whereby they, there's not too many variables moving around. So in Swaziland, you've got the one language, you've got a, a smaller um, a country. There's just, um, it's a good place to pilot anything uh, because of its uh, smallness. And that's the best place to pilot a technology. And that's how we thought uh, before coming to South Africa, South Africa is a bigger 
uh, a market with uh, nine provinces, uh, 11 different languages. So there's a lot more moving parts. So by piloting in a very much um, um, smaller environment, you're able to understand your tech a bit more and be able now to actually replicate it in another market. And that's why we chose Aswaziland. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's very good logic, yes. And what are you hoping to achieve then? What is your big ambition with Isu's Farm? So we, we currently, our current goal is that in the next five years, we want to onboard um, um, 20 million farmers across Sadak. And then in the next 10 years, 2030, we want to onboard 100 million farmers um, across Africa. So that's our big goal. Um, and uh, we've, we believe we can do it. And we believe that it's our model is scalable enough to do it. And those are our goals currently. We want to onboard as many farmers as possible because we believe that we can actually change um, their lives and um, and create a whole new normal for the farming market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in quite an easy way, I suppose. I mean, there, there, there seems to be no barrier between using the platform and what the farmer is already familiar with. I mean, USSD, everybody should be familiar with US, using USSD as long as they have a cell phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. So most uh, tech that comes through to the smaller sector be it drones, be it uh, all this smartphone stuff, it's not talking to the smaller farmer because there's a connectivity issue, you know, if you don't have that issue, and then we solve the issue of adoption through uh, understanding the languages and partnering with locals in the area. So you really have this tech that's very, very sustainable and very, very scalable. And also another award which we won at uh, the World Bank. So after, so we won the top innovator award, but we also won the most... Um, innovatively what locally sustainable business model which means that it's 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 very cost effective uh to use so we also won the award for that right that's awesome so so how does this award work i saw that there's an opportunity for people to vote for the different solutions in the different themes so how how does this award work generally so there was actually um there was now another uh, challenge which they were giving us as winners. So oh, wow. oh. <laughs> So that was now more to get our solutions to be known by different uh, stakeholders because as the World Bank, they, they're um, basically a, a, a multilateral organization and, and their purpose is to basically enable um, the communication between governments, entrepreneurs and, 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 um, and farmers in our case. And they realized there was a gap in that communication uh, cycle. So what happens is that, um, so let's say the World Bank now wants to fund um, uh, agriculture in South Africa. They would want a system that can monitor the beneficiaries of who are receiving those grants. So we become a very much a good uh, player in that realm to actually help them actually monitor all the money which is coming into the, into the country so they can actually uh, measure the ROI. So that's how that sort of works. And for the video challenge, that was just to uh, get the hype up and um, and we also won that challenge as well. So that was very, very nice for us. We we created a whole new character called Shaga. <laughs> and, and we think that Shaga is, is can great, do great things uh, using Issa's form. Right. Awesome. Uh, so I have farmers who are using the platform right now, I suppose in this instance, in Swaziland. Have they revealed any specific areas where they experience challenges and they believe that your platform is the ideal tool to, to help them overcome those? 
Yes, so because um, the farmers uh, that we're working with are being supported by government, the one thing that they, uh, they're very happy about is that it, it, the communication between themselves and the, and the government agency has improved dramatically because now people are being helped with the real issues which they are suffering from. But at the same time, um, because most of the farmers are also the elderly that are living in those rural areas, their, their children go to school. And when the children go to school and come back from school, the children are, are the ones actually helping them um, basically answer the questions on the platform. And this has improved um, understanding of what it happens on the farm for them because now if the child is also inputting this information, it means that if the father is not there, the mother is not there anymore, the, the child would have actually gained wow, a new skill. Yeah. yeah, isn't that just fantastic? Yeah. And how do you ensure accuracy of data? I mean particularly with uh, self-reported information, one would need some kind of uh, way of checking, wouldn't you? So we do the, so the extension model we were saying earlier is basically that's where the check happens because uh, at least now when the station officer goes onto the ground, you can actually now compare what's on the system versus what's on the ground. So he does that final check for us. So then because now you've got the inputted data and then he comes through and just double checks what is happening is actually correct. That's where now you just get the correct data or more, a better data set. When there's any variances, wow, we highlight the variances and we then do basically raise those things to say there's a variance of the farmer on this particular area. It's, it's either he's reporting well or he's not reporting well, but then that's when extension services actually help even more because now you can extend knowledge based upon um, that information. Right. I guess the ideal customer then would be a type of organization that has quite a number of farmers and they would be, and obviously also provides the extension services and they would then onboard their farmers as opposed to farmers coming on board on their own. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, yes, yes. So eventually that will definitely happen. But uh, we are saying that for now, you definitely want to improve the current programs that exist. Mm-hmm. That that's a fantastic approach, actually. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's quite a bit about Isis Farm. I just wanted to find out how it's been for you guys, for yourself and Tula, developing this platform. Has it been easy? Have people been forthcoming with the resources that you guys need? Um, it's been a nine-year journey. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so so it's been a bit traumatic, and <laughs> because it's so long. Um, <laughs> Our first award was at the Innovation Hub. We were part of the top 10 uh, awards for the GAP ICT in 2014. And then our first right. funding came in 2019 uh, from an angel investor in Zambia. Um, so it's been very, it, it, it's taken, and then now we've got the World Bank thing. So it's taken a lot of time, uh, but I think yeah. we're growing like a bamboo uh, tree. So, you know, a bamboo tree takes time to sort of grow, and then yeah. at the end of it, <laughs> and, and then it the, just, that's where just, we yeah. are now, you know. Yeah, so it's taken a lot of time. It's been a lot of struggles uh, as a as an entrepreneur, but um, you learn from it. And I think just believing in ourselves, saying that no, I think we have this answer, and I think we are right, uh, just kept us going. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, what would be on your wish list then from now on? I mean, what would you hope would be forthcoming in terms of partnerships or even funding, things like that? Yeah, so I think right now we're definitely looking into your ESG, your impact investors, you know, um, that's the area I think we're looking into. 
Um, so my whole goal is to secure some more pilots, uh, secure more partners in that area, because sometimes these uh, pilots actually, they can actually help us actually co-find uh, the onboarding of the farmer. Because when the farmer is onboarded, you then have that first hurdle done. And then they can start using the tech and we can start helping them actually fix um, the different issues they have. So I think right now our only goal is just to onboard some farmers in South Africa. Um, I, like, we're definitely praying to onboard the 40,000 farmers which, um, which the Minister of Agriculture wanted to support currently. If we get a chance mm-hmm. to definitely onboard them, that'll be a great thing because now not only are we monitoring the program, but also monitoring the production. And uh, and that's no one does that in SADC. I think we're the only company that actually does monitor the quality of produce. Um, and and that's, that's a lot of value because at least then we can actually understand uh, if if the if the crops coming out of um, those smaller farmers actually have 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 good quality. So you know, those are my sort of key things. Um, get into DAF, uh, do some work, and uh, get a travel permit, and be on the road oh, once more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, true. The COVID-19 has thrown all of us a curveball, hasn't it? It's, it's totally, totally. We had to sort of stop because I was going to Swaziland, and now because I, I am now this side, I need to get now a travel permit from that side so it's going to allow me into the country. So we're busy with that as well. Um, so it's just a big curveball, but uh, we know that uh, post-COVID uh, or or even on the recovery of COVID, um, getting those farmers um, onto our platform is essential to ensure that they yeah. need, we can um, ensure food security in the in the region. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, what would you say an ideal person or at least organization to partner with looks like? If you were, if somebody is listening right now and they're involved in the agri-food space and are thinking of a solution right now, who whom would you ideally pick to pilot with in South Africa? So one of them, I think, will be the, um, what you call it, um, the DAF program right now for the COVID relief, the 1.2 billion, mm-hmm. which uh, the government has earmarked uh, for smaller farmers, the 40,000 farmers which they actually currently have. That would be a good program mm-hmm. to, to, to definitely pilot. Another one will be definitely entering into uh, different... Um, food processes uh, where basically they've got um, a lot of uh, funds for uh, social development uh, and uh, basically targeting those kind of areas whereby they need to have and to increase their BE points and purchase more for smaller farmers. So organizations like your Tiger Brands, your, your Pioneer Foods, they've got those kind of programs and just being able to help them do those programs better would be a lot of value, but also put them in the supply chain. That would be an awesome uh, um, what you call it, uh, pilot to do, and um, and yeah, and then also I think that the um, Agda Agda will be also a great um, organization to be, to be part of too, so that we can be their engine, and um, yeah, so those are the three top three, my top three uh, uh, programs that I think will be a great fit for our solution. Well, we do hope that lands on the right ears. Of course, as we back entrepreneurs, where we find linkages, we do generally connects the different um, agripreneurs that we speak with so that um, people can find the right partnerships and collaborations to move their solutions forward. So, yeah, then um, it's good to know. I was saying thank you for that. (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. So I think we can come to the end of today's recording, Watson. And if you have anything more that you'd like to add, you are more than welcome to do that now. No, no, no. Perfect. Perfect. I want to know more about you, Flo, actually. (laughs) 
um, just the general history of the Future Grow Challenge um, and how it helps us entrepreneurs. Okay, absolutely. That's fine. Well, actually, I was a small-scale farmer myself, I should tell you. Um, I think it was in 2015 when um, my partner at the time and I decided we are going to get ourselves a small farm and we farmed uh, poultry and uh, vegetables. And it's, uh, that's, that's when the bug bits, I guess. <laughs> Although my background is actually in the pharmaceutical industry, um, I qualified as a medical scientist in university and I was in the pharmaceutical industry for some years. Um, but I've always known uh, wh- while I was there that I wanted to do something on my own. I just, uh, ha- I just wasn't clear yet what field I wanted to follow. And in terms of the whole ecosystem development, that came about when I had my first bite in tech entrepreneurship in fact, um, with the MIT Global Startups Lab that was in with the Vest University at the time. Uh, although I was a bit of a generalist at the time, in fact, I did a mobile money solution when I was in that program. Then at some point, I worked with a Southern Africa Startup Awards. Of course, you would know it covers quite a number of different fields, but I was quite specific that I wanted to extend the whole concept of ecosystem development and innovation support to agri-food because I did feel there was a bit of a lack in that area, being a small-scale farmer and knowing that farmers are generally left to their own devices and agripreneurs are clumped up with the rest of the tech entrepreneurs when we in fact know that their needs are quite a bit uh, different to other tech entrepreneurs. It's just a whole different ball game altogether when you are trying to promote innovation in agriculture. And that's how Food Makers Africa came about, to really try to identify opportunities for innovation and agripreneurs whom we could support on their mission to making an impact to um, small-scale and subsistence farmers. And in 2018, I came across uh, Future Agro Challenge, who had been on this mission, in fact, for a couple of years. In fact, in 2017, they hosted the global uh, event in South Africa in partnership with the IDC. And it turned out they didn't have a partner in South Africa. So that was an opportunity then to extend the work that they do in South Africa. Um, I mean, they were already active in over 60 countries and we're doing incredible work in this area. And the whole idea is to identify really game-changing innovators in agriculture and connect them with the resources that they need uh, globally. So whether it's connecting them to potential partnerships or collaborators or potential customers or even potential investors, just really understanding where we can mobilize the entire innovation ecosystem broadly to make an impact in agriculture. So in a nutshell, that's what we're trying to achieve. Okay. Okay. That sounds awesome. That's awesome. One out of 10, what do you think of ESA's yeah. farm? <laughs> I, I just think it's fantastic. I mean, I'm 100% behind 
platforms that attempt to include small-scale farmers in major value chains. I mean, we know, first off, in fact, we know that agriculture is our best opportunity on this continent to become a more developed continent for people to help themselves climb out of poverty. And if we are going to make any impact whatsoever on agriculture on the continent, then we must make an impact on small-scale farmers because we know that that's how agriculture happens. It happens at a much smaller scale with millions and millions of farmers. So really, that's where the impact should be felt. I also do believe that uh, solutions uh, cannot be singular because, I mean, a small-scale and subsistence farmers are, are not a homogeneous group. I mean, you'll get those who will start now as small-scale farmers on a hectare or two and have the potential to grow to huge commercial farms. And you'll still have those who um, who will just always be small-scale farmers because all they're interested in is to secure food for their families and trade here and there to support their family incomes. And, you know, all the role players, all the small-scale farmers have a role to play in food security on the continent and in development generally. That makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. But I'm just sad that I've only just discovered Isis Farm. I mean, if you're saying you've been working on it for nine years, I'm like, hey, how come I didn't know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, we're in stealth mode. We're in stealth mode. When you deliver it, check sometimes you'll be in stealth mode so you can protect your IP. I think now we understand. We've come out of stealth mode and we've, we've got a bit more security around our IP, a bit more support in terms of getting it done right. Um, so we're a bit more confident now uh, to really speak about it and to really work with everyone and collaborate. You know, uh, we're really positive about it. And, and that's basically what we're doing, you know. Um, but now we, are, we want to talk to everyone now because we feel as if uh, that's also part of our job now. Um, and we want to see how can we work together as well because uh, we believe in, co- in collaboration. We're just a platform that is an enabler, a value chain enabler. Well, we like to call ourselves. So talking to everyone actually is is and is what we do because we create highways for the farmers to to interact with every single person in the value chain. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So that's that for today. Thank you so much for joining me, Watson. I'm so grateful that you could um come online. Um, please send my regards to Tula. I really wish you guys all the best in deploying the solution and getting our farmers the support they need, really. No, perfect. No, thank you very much. That will do, and I will tell them. Yeah, and of course, don't forget to give us a shout if there's anything we can do to support you guys in your journey. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, let's uh, make Africa great again. Yes, let's do. Thank you, Watson. And thank you for staying to the end of today's episode. You can find Isis Farm on their website, which is at isusfarm.africa. That's E-S-U-S farm.africa. You can also contact Watson on his email address, which is Watson, W-A-T-S-O-N, at isusfarm.africa. Both Watson, Matsa, and Dr. Tula Cesar Damini can be found on LinkedIn if you just have a quick search over there. And of course, you can connect with um, Isis Farm on both LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Please don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And join us every week on Tuesdays when we release a new episode. You can also find us on our website, which is foodmakers.africa. All of our contacts are on there. 
I'd love to hear from you if you are an entrepreneur or if you would just like to suggest one to host on the show. Thanks again and cheers for now.